Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is November 9th, 2020, and here with me as always is my friend who might be experiencing a sense of deja vu right now, <laughs> astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Funny you should say that, Jen, because I absolutely am. We'll give a little <laughs> glimpse behind the scenes here at the Big Sky Astrology Podcast and let everyone know that our friend Mercury was playing tricks with us yesterday. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we were doing our usual Monday morning recording, and afterwards Jen realized that her audio settings were such that she sounded like Prince Albert and Can. <laughs> <laughs> so today, as Mercury is stationing to turn direct, we are recording this episode for the second time. I'm sure it will be twice as good, Jen. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. And <laughs> yes, I did sound like I was underwater and a thousand miles away. So it was not good. This will be better. <laughs> you already feel so far away, being all the way over in Minneapolis. I don't want you to sound further away, too. Yeah, I'm already 2,000 miles <laughs> away from you as it is. Well, we are recording on election day. Yes, we are. How are you feeling today? Feeling a little nervous. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. a little, some butterflies in the stomach mm -hmm. and really um, wondering what the day will bring with this mercury stationing and all the rest of it. How about you? Same. I feel, you can feel it. You can feel the tension in the air. And I guess we might not hear anything by the end of today is what all of the professionals are saying, mm -hmm. that it'll take a while to count the votes. And we'll just take our time and see. Yeah, so many more people are voting by mail this year. And that's just going to take a minute for everything to get in and go through all the processing. So we are going to be in a little bit of a state of suspended animation here for a few days. Yeah. But it's good to have it all underway. Absolutely. And how was your weekend otherwise, April? I mean, it was okay. I did get some sad news. Please share. Yeah, my first astrology teacher, who was named Diane Rongren, who was an excellent astrologer and a wonderful teacher, passed away last week. Aww. And it was a little bit unexpected. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, so that was really hard. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to acknowledge her here and give her a shout out because she was an astrologer who had a very long career, had a lot of students like me who went on to do things like write books and lecture and do all of that. That's great. Yeah, she's had a far reach into the astrological community. She's not somebody whose name is recognizable to the greater community. You know, real people that just follow mainstream astrologers these days. She didn't have a big YouTube presence or anything like that. But I want to shout out to her because, you know, there are so many astrologers like her who just really practice great astrology and are really smart and really helpful to their clients and their students for decades mm -hmm. and may not really be known to a larger audience. And it's kind of a shame. So I really just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge her here because she really encouraged me. She was the first astrologer I ever went to for a reading. Oh, wow. And really inspired me. How old were you? I was just about to have my Saturn return. Okay. So I was about 28, I think, when I met her. And then I started studying with her for a couple of years and then went out on my own because I had been studying for a very long time. But I needed that finishing of yeah. sitting with a teacher. Right. And she was great. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, Dana Gerhardt, who's a wonderful astrologer. And we met in Diane's class. Hmm. And she said something in an email to me that I was very much on my mind. She said she gave us such a good foundation because we've had the confidence to go out now. And we know what we know. And we know what we don't know. And we know about the tools that are out there if we decide we need to study a little bit more about something. 
So it was a wonderful experience. And, you know, bless you, Diane. And I am thinking of her today. Well, we honor her here today. Astrology is so complex. And the fact that you were able to learn from her is great. Yeah. Astrology teachers, as well as our other teachers that we had growing up, mean so much and have such a formative effect on us. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do we have coming up this week, my friend? Where should we begin? Let us begin with the sun trining Neptune this week. On Monday, November 9th at 9.11 p.m. Pacific Time, the sun is at 18 degrees, 16 minutes of Scorpio, trining Neptune in Pisces, of course. What can you tell us about this, April? I was looking first at the Sabian symbols Mm. for the Sun and Neptune at this trine. Scorpio 19 for the Sun is a parrot listening, then speaking. And Pisces 19 is a master instructing his pupil. Well, how appropriate. Yeah, it really is. I think there's such a fine line between really receiving instruction, like we were just talking about with a teacher, versus just hearing something and then being able to parrot it back. Yeah. You know, when we're in school, which we've all had that experience in a class that didn't come naturally to us and we weren't that interested in. And we just kind of crammed and got all of the facts into our brains long enough to spit it back onto a a test. And then we just move on and never think about it again. (laughs) Yeah. So the trine is a nice aspect. You know, the trine says these two symbols will be working in harmony rather than conflict with each other. Anytime the Sun and Neptune come together, it's about letting go of ego. The ego is represented by the Sun. And ego not in the sense of being boastful or prideful necessarily, but just in terms of knowing who we are individually and having a strong sense of self. Neptune dissolves things. So when it comes in contact with the Sun, there is a little bit of a lack of confidence sometimes that happens because we're being asked to let go of the ego, of the individual sense of self to some degree. So having them in a trine aspect is nice because it is about the graceful relinquishing of that sense of solitude and just our own identity. I think in combination with these symbols, I was thinking kind of it's about letting go of what we think we've always known, especially about ourselves, and being open to what is coming our way, to the instruction that's coming our way. I like that. Yeah, that's what came to mind. We we did have a conjunction between these two planets that kicked off this cycle, the synodic cycle of the Sun and Neptune. That was back on March 8th, just as things were just about to crack open with this pandemic. Right, yeah. And we talked about that on episode 15, Venus plus Pi, zero to 29 degrees of separation. That's one of our more cryptic (laughs) titles, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. You know it's about Venus, though. Yes, Venus was in there. We were talking about planets at zero degrees of a sign and then 29 degrees of a sign, I guess. Yeah. And the Sun and Neptune coming together in a pleasant connection like this one can also be really good for meditation and spirituality and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And just opening ourselves in softness and kindness. It's really a good time to enjoy music and art and film and the things that open the imagination because it's a really imaginative combination. So it's a nice way to begin our week. It is, yes, because there are other aspects coming that will be a little more challenging, I think. Yes. Well, then the next day we have Mercury going into Scorpio again. Once again, yes. Mercury entered Scorpio at the end of September, right? September 27th, is that right? That is correct. And we talked about that in episode 48, the Libra equinox and Mercury go sleuthing, if people want to hear more about that. 
So this means that Mercury hasn't left what we call that shadow period quite yet, right, April? Correct. It's still passing over the same territory that it's been in before. And until it gets to the point where it turned retrograde, we're still kind of in a shadow period. Yeah. And that point, I know, was 11 degrees of Scorpio. Oh, you're very good. Because I was trying to tiptoe around it because I couldn't remember exactly (laughs) what it was. I didn't have it on the show sheet. Well, I do remember that. And the point at which Mercury passes that degree, he will be free and clear and the shadow will be in the past. I am just happy for it to be direct and getting away from all the squares to the Capricorn planet and the opposition to Mars. Libra territory has been a bit rugged because of the interactions with Mars and Aries and all those Capricorn planets. So now we can just buckle down and get into the mindset and the work that Mercury and Scorpio asks of us, which is to really look for the truth, look deep under the surface, have meaningful conversations with people to clear the air about any conflicts we might have. We always have to remember Scorpio is ruled by Mars. Yeah. So there is a bit of an edge of conflict to it. And Mars, as we'll talk about later, is also active this week. We might find ourselves revisiting some conflicts or difficult conversations from a month ago or so. So we shall see. But it's a terrific Mercury for research, for studying things in depth for editing to a certain degree to go in and see what we might not have gotten quite right. Mm-hmm. For therapy. Oh, for this great for that. If anyone wants to start therapy. Or astrology readings. Often mm. people come for that kind of in-depth look at what's going on. Any kind of process that helps you access everything that's going on inside you psychologically and find ways to deal with it productively. It's really good work for the next few weeks as Mercury is in Scorpio. And Mercury will make pleasant aspects to the planets in Capricorn while he's in Scorpio, so that will be helpful as opposed to those squares that he was making, as you said, when he was in Libra. Right. Mercury will make a trine to Neptune along the way, and that is a little more rife for misunderstandings or for thinking you've said something to somebody and then realizing you haven't or something like that. Okay. But that's a little way down the road for now. Let's just enjoy it. Let's take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy getting past all those stones in the road that we had at the end of Libra. Let's swim in the waters of Scorpio for a moment. I'm for it. Let's go a sleuthing. Indeed. (laughs) All right. And so next up on the show sheet, April, what do we have happening? Well, we have another thing that is a sort of a redo, which is Jupiter coming together in one final conjunction aspect with Pluto. That'll happen on November 12th, and it's at 22 degrees and 52 minutes of Capricorn. This is one of the bigger conjunctions that's been playing out throughout this year because this is the last of three big conjunctions that we have between Jupiter and Pluto. The first two were on April 4th and June 29th or 30th, depending on where you are. Can you let our newer listeners know what a conjunction means? A conjunction is when two planets are together at the same degree of longitude of the same sign. A good example would be Jupiter and Saturn, because Saturn's visible, Pluto's not. But if you've been looking out in the night sky over the last month or so, you have seen Jupiter and Saturn in the southern part of the sky, at least here where I'm at in San Diego. But they are so close together, and they have been closer. But the closer they are together, you know that they are closer to an actual conjunction. 
at a conjunction, there's no space between them. They're at the same degree. They're not at the same declination necessarily. They're not actually colliding, but they appear to be together in the sky. So that is the conjunction. And this is actually, as you pointed out to me, at the same point of that Saturn-Pluto conjunction on January 12th. Yes, earlier this year. Which was a bit of a humdinger. Mm -hmm. So this is harmonically kind of tickling that same point and bringing up an opportunity to conclude some of the business that was started then on January 12th. Now, of course, on April 4th, we were just wandering into the pandemic here in the United States. We were a couple of weeks into it and still really kind of shocked and trying to find our footing. And many astrologers have made a connection between Jupiter with Pluto and pandemics. And Odena, who I spoke about earlier, wrote a wonderful article for her website that we linked to at the time, and we'll link to it again in the show notes this week. Yeah, it was a really interesting article. Mm -hmm. And she found other times of great global pandemic and found the connection with Jupiter and Pluto. So that was happening on April 4th and June 29th or 30th, depending on where you are. There was the second conjunction between Jupiter and Pluto. And now we have our final one. So, you know, given the last time that we had those conjunctions, I went back to look at what the headlines were in the news on those days in the New York Times. And they were all about the spread of the coronavirus and the spiking of the numbers and also cases exploding in California, which was on June 30th. So... It's just an interesting time to be taking a look at where we are with the handling of this particular health crisis and thinking of better ways to respond to it and to have conversations with each other about it, too, because it's been really hard for people. Yeah, absolutely. Can you explain to folks, we've had a lot of planets retrograde over the last couple of months, and we have had quite often these planets meeting up three times Some folks might not know how or why that happens. Oh, it's three times is the charm, of course. (laughs) Oh, is that it? That's it. That's That's the whole story. Three's the charm. (laughs) Nice. Well, because because of the way the retrograde cycle works, you know, retrograde's just a planet appears to be moving backwards in the sky relative to Earth. What will happen is if we have two planets, let's say Jupiter and Pluto coming together, Jupiter, which is the faster moving planet by far than Pluto, and as it comes together with Pluto for the first time, it makes that conjunction, it keeps moving on, but then it'll turn retrograde. Because the big outer planets, Jupiter through Pluto, are retrograde a lot of the time. Jupiter's retrograde about five months at a time. So it moves retrograde, it comes together with the slower moving planet again, because the slower moving planet has barely moved at all in the case of Pluto. And then Pluto keeps backing, 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 and then it turns direct. And then it's going to come along in one more time. It's going to make a conjunction with the slower moving planet, which again, has hardly moved. I mean, really, there isn't a lot more to it than that, except to say, I like that we have three chances to get it right. Say more about that. Well, big, slow moving planets, their transits have great consequence because they take longer to unfold and they are more rare. So having three times to understand the energy of the conjunction, I was telling you when we were preparing the show sheet. I said, oh, no, Jupiter-Pluto again. I never know what to say about that every time. (laughs) And it's only now that I'm starting to go, oh, okay, I'm getting a little bit of an overview of it and starting to see what it is really meant for us in our culture this time around. What the patterns have been. Exactly. 
So the first exact conjunction, for instance, that you have or other aspect, it's new and you're trying to figure out what in the heck is going on. The second time you go, okay, this again, and you're kind of like, okay, I'm on top of this. And then by the third time, you're like, yes, I've got it. I understand the message of these two planets coming together. Pluto is about destructive forces and Jupiter explodes things out, makes them bigger. And so this has been a time of really accentuating a lot of really difficult patterns in the culture. It hasn't strictly been about health at all. It's been about how we get along together in the face of crisis. Frankly, I don't think we've done a great job. It's been a difficult year for so many people on so many levels. Yeah. Pluto, you know, speaks to the large, you know, the bigger collective. And Jupiter is just kind of like society. It's one of the real societal planets. And our rules and our laws and those kinds of things are the rules and laws keeping up with what's required by the mass of humanity. I'm not sure we've done a super great job, Mm -hmm. but we do have one more chance here (laughs) on November 12th to maybe make some decisions moving forward about how we are going to deal with this moving forward. Yeah, I guess we will see. I guess we will, my friend. I guess we will. What have we got next? Next up, we have our friend Mars, who has been going retrograde for a very long time. Now, Mars usually spends about six weeks in one sign and then moves on to the next sign. And Mars will spend a total of six months in the sign of Aries. He is turning direct at 15 degrees, 14 minutes of Aries on Friday, November 13th at 4.35 p.m. Pacific time. Tell us about this, April. Well, first we want to touch on that Friday the 13th that went flying by there. Oh, yeah, that came right out of my mouth and I didn't even (laughs) pause, did I? Well, we have talked about Friday the 13th on episode three, Gemini Full Moon, Alexa Play, Love the One You're With. It's worth listening to that discussion because Friday is a day that is sacred to Venus and 13 is a number that's sacred to the moon because there are 13 new moons in a year. So I think the combination of those really in some ancient cultures, Friday the 13th was a day of lovemaking and feasting and enjoyment. And I think perhaps that took on a more negative connotation as time went by. So don't be afraid of Friday the 13th. Do some feasting, you know, Mm -hmm. love the one you're with, (laughs) which is probably where we got that title, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, but yes, Mars, our good friend is turning dress. He has had a bit of a frustrating time. Mars and Aries likes to just get moving and keep moving and go fast and just, you know, say, I'm going to do this and just goes and does it. The fact that it's been retrograde has really been a very frustrating influence for Mars because retrograde, as I just explained, means you appear to be going backwards. And it's a time when a planet's energy doesn't really express in the way we expect it to express. In combination with that, of course, Mars has been making a series of really difficult aspects to the planets in Capricorn, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. So he's just gotten it coming and going, and it's been hard to get things done. It's been helpful to me as an astrologer to realize that this has been going on under the surface as I've tried to get anything done, the slightest little thing. I come across obstacles that I have to figure out, but at least I'm prepared because I think, well, that's Mars. You know it's coming. Yeah. And it's not to punish us. It's a time to restrain that side of us that's very impatient and very impulsive and jumps ahead to the next thing before we really are firm in what we have done previous to that. 
So Mars going direct is kind of like unleashing a frustrated beast mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll feel like we really want to get up to speed and get moving fast, especially those of us who have planets in Aries and Scorpio. Why is that? Those two signs are ruled by Mars. Mars is their ruling planet. Pluto was also associated with Scorpio, but the traditional astrologers associated Mars with it because we didn't know about Pluto. There are two very different energies of Mars expressed by Aries and Scorpio. And Mars being retrograde has put it much more in keeping with that Scorpio vibe, which is more inward and keeping things close to your chest. But now Mars going forward, it will take on his Aries persona really strongly. When you say that Aries and Scorpio people will feel this more, do you mean people just with the sun in those signs? No, no. But especially people with the sun, moon, or ascendant, Mm -hmm. perhaps people with Mars and Aries, really people with anything in those signs. Because Mars is affecting those planets as he passes through that territory. It resonates. You know, it really makes the Aries and Scorpio planets tingle when their ruling planet is doing something like this. Mm -hmm. So we have a tingly Mars. We have tingly Aries and Scorpio people this week. Can't wait to see what that looks like. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see you tingle, Jen. You get some Scorpio planets. I have one or two Scorpio planets. Yes, I do. It's true. (laughs) You do. What is the Sabian symbol for this, pal? Oh, it's so cute. It's brownies dancing in the setting sun. And what does brownies mean in this instance? Is it the delicious snack cake? Is it? (laughs) Is it the young Girl Scout? (laughs) No. It's like a little sprite. It's a little fairy, a little... um, Like an elf. Yeah, elfin kind of figure. So it's a lovely vision. It's very joyful. Yeah. They're happy. They're light. So I'm going to definitely be one of these little brownies dancing in the setting sun of this Mars retrograde. Yeah. I'm done with it. Me too. Ready to move forward. I second that. Jen. April. Do you know what time it is? What time is it? <laughs> Moon watch. Moon watch. <laughs> Play it. <laughs> yes. This week, new moon, 23 degrees and 18 minutes of Scorpio on Saturday, November 14th at 9.07 p.m. Pacific time or November 15th, practically everywhere else. What is a new moon, April? New moon is when the sun and the moon are together in a conjunction at the same degree of the same sign. Happens every month. Happens about every 28 days. It's about initiation of new ideas and new things. We always say it's the seed planting time, but it's also a dark time of the month. Go outside, there is no light in the sky from the moon because it has set with the sun. So know that whatever you are planting, you are just planting in good faith, hoping something comes of it. You won't know until the full moon a couple of weeks later. This is, as you pointed out, a super moon. Super moon. Dun, 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 dun. Tell us about the super moon, Jen. It means that it's as close to Earth as it gets in its orbit. Mm -hmm. We won't see it because it's not a full moon, but it's still up there being all big. All big. Being all big and close to us. Yes, a doff (laughs) of the cap to my colleague Richard Knoll, who coined this term, supermoon. Uh-huh, okay. This is not a bad new moon chart. There are many good aspects between the new moon point with Jupiter and Pluto and with Neptune. And there is a generally a sense of moving forward because Mars will have turned direct. Which will be nice. Mm-hmm. 
So a new moon in Scorpio is always a little bit of a contradiction in terms because the new moon is about fresh starts and beginnings and Scorpio tends in our mind to be more about endings, which is fair enough. But what comes to mind is it's like a new resolve that you can get after you have had a death of someone near you, you know, like I was talking about before, or some other trauma has touched our lives. That can often be a time when we say, okay, I really have to do things differently going forward, or else you're in a position where now you have to do things differently because the landscape of your life has changed. The Sabian symbol for this new moon is an interesting one, and we both picked up on this. The new moon is on the Sabian symbol of 24 Scorpio, crowds coming down the mountain to listen to one man. Very intriguing. Yeah. I remember talking on Mel LaFerro's podcast uh, about this new moon and picking up on that Sabian symbol, too, Mm -hmm. and thinking, yeah, that's going to be a couple of weeks after the election. If things have been taking a while to get resolved, this could be a moment when there's some kind of decision or forward movement or a conclusion related to the election. Just it's such an evocative symbol for the circumstances. It really is, yeah. Pretty strange for this week following the election week in the United States. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we've got some nice aspects, like we said, between the new moon point with Jupiter and Pluto, which were bedeviling us earlier in the week. That sounds like a positive thing. Yes. And the next day, Venus will make exact squares to Jupiter and Pluto. Again, the new moon very much caught up with that Jupiter and Pluto conjunction that we talked about earlier in the episode. The Venus aspects are quite intriguing to me as they finish up in the end of Libra. We knew this was coming, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. We saw Venus go into Libra and we thought, oh, Venus in her own sign of Libra, such a lovely, peaceful, harmonious sign. But then we did see Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto off there in her future ready to trip her up just as she's leaving the sign. So that is the point that we are getting to also this week and at this new moon. And what does Venus represent in astrology? Well, it has consequences for relationships, for money and wealth, for ethics and personal self-worth questions. So Venus is very consequential. And when she is making these kinds of hard aspects to these planets in Capricorn, it is a little bit of a usually some kind of turning point in close relationships. And perhaps with regard to money, you know, we had those aspects between Venus and Uranus a couple of months ago. And I know we kept saying over and over, oh, you know, unexpected expenses and perhaps unexpected money coming from nowhere. Uh So this will be interesting. My hope is that once all of the stuff with the election is concluded, then maybe we can get back to talking about another stimulus package or other benefits to help people that are still not back up to speed from job losses or whatever else it might be. Because Venus would rule all of that too. Yeah, Venus rules money. Jupiter and Pluto together are kind of like big collective pots of money. Okay. So this is governmental money or benefits or that kind of thing. So I'm hoping it's a square. It's Mm -hmm. Venus square to those, but it could just mean that there is a little more of an impetus, a little more of a push to make that happen at that time. Because a square is action oriented. Mm -hmm. So let's hope. Let's hope. It's a very interesting new moon. And it's one of the better new moons all year to do any kind of intention or ritual work around wealth in particular and intimate relationships. 
you know, relationships generally are the purview of Libra. But then when you get really intimate with someone, you're sharing a bank account, you know, you file a joint tax return. This is Scorpio territory. So your most intimate relationships, if you want a little bit of an energetic boost in that area, this is a great new moon for doing that kind of ritual work. And also money. We forget about Scorpio being a money sign, but along with Taurus, those are the two big new moons of the year for doing wealth-related rituals. So light a little, you know, candle, a green or a pink candle, and knock yourself out. And then see the money roll in. That's right. <laughs> We're going to be rolling in it, pal. Rolling Let's in it. Let's be rolling in it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, if Mercury is done with us, that seems to be everything on the show sheet. Do you think we've done it? I think we've done it. It looks like my side has recorded appropriately. And so <laughs> episode 55, <laughs> exactly, knocking on wood, double nickels. This is yes. double nickels episode. We've done it. Two fives, my favorite number. Well, thank <laughs> you, everyone, for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the number one way that you can help us get noticed by other potential listeners. You can leave us a rating or a review, and we hope that you'll help us spread the word by telling a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. Thank you so much to everyone who showed support during the September Podathon. Each week, we'll be thanking one of you by name. Who is it this week, April? This week, we want to give a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Chris Williams. Yay, Chris! Yay! <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. Yeah. We really do appreciate you, Chris. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and for showing your support. The Podathon was so much fun, and we did this around Labor Day week. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to those episodes or you're new to the podcast, go back and have a listen. They're shorter episodes. Mm -hmm. We recorded every day for a week, and yeah. it was so much fun. We had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. yeah. So thanks, Chris. You rock, you roll, and <laughs> we appreciate you. If you're a listener who didn't get a chance to support us during our Podathon, you can always make a donation at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. If you kick in $5 or more, we'll invite you to our special episodes for the equinoxes and the solstices. Yes, big solstice coming up in December. You heard it here first. Along with Jupiter and Saturn moving into Aquarius, making a conjunction, you will want that episode. Excellent. All right, friends, that's it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.